journey. Amen. Isn't that good? Man, 
You can't beat the 80s. I still got the hair. Hallelujah. It's good to see you today, and I tell you, it's a time to fellowship. Welcome to Internet Church. You're in for a treat. Glad you're here. And those who are not here to watch by Internet, because you're not brave to be here, God bless you anyway. Thank God for all the brave people here. I've got something I want to do right quick. Uh, we're almost through this month. How many got married in the month of February? Would you please stand? If you got married in the month of February, would you please stand? Jake, run up here. Here's your wife. Okay, these are the ones who got married in the month. Stay standing up because according to the book of Solomon, I got a gift for you. And if our couples, connectors, would be so kind, if y'all would go and hand out um, these gifts to uh, those getting married, uh, those who've gotten married in February, it's a box of raisins. And I'm going to talk about raisins today, so y'all keep standing. Don't sit down because I'm giving raisins. So go ahead, and, 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 and this is a little gift for you uh, for getting married in February. I know you're saying I'm cheap, but there's, there's a meaning to this. And, uh, and we want to congrats, congratulate all of these for, uh, the, get it, who got married the month of February. Here comes your husband. Today we want to talk about extreme home makeover. How many have seen that program on TV? And you know, if you look it up on the web, they go and they talk about getting in there. They don't only fix up the inside of the house. They fix the outside of the house, and they also fix, out the, they fix up the landscaping. How many know that's kind of like the extreme work of the Holy Spirit? When He comes into your lives, He doesn't just fix your life up. He fixes you up inside and out and can also fix up your marriage and fix up your children. Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? He's a God who's extreme, and, and I want to share with you the definition of the word extreme. I'm hoping, uh, if you're not taking notes, you can get the CD. We've got a lot of people who've been getting the CD, watching it by internet. I looked up the word extreme in the dictionary, and listen, to this. this is such a good definition for our marriage. To reach high or to the highest degree for something. To reach to the highest degree for our wedding, marriages. It means to be go exceptional out drastic measures you may be in an area of your life or your marriage right now where you need to get to a drastic measure and see things changed it also means extreme also means it could be hazardous to your physical well-being I mean you know, when you start working on your marriage it could be hazardous to your well-being but it ends up getting better once you get out of the cast <laughs> extreme means the furthest from the last point that you were at. You don't stop ever. You keep reaching farther than you've ever reached before in understanding and love and, and passion. It means to be different as far as possible, to be severe and serious act. There's such a thing as extreme danger, and some marriages are in extreme danger, which that word there means... Uh, Maximum risk. And we've even had a, a, a marriage just last Sunday. I know some people might have been uncomfortable with the message. But we, we had a marriage saved last Sunday. And three more who got renewed. That we know about. And then we've been hearing testimonies and different other things. But those are the cases we know that was 
heading for a divorce and it changed. It was in extreme danger because you have to take extreme measures and that means to be drastic, serious, desperate, radical and far-reaching, severe, tough, rigorous, oppressive. To have extreme views, to be a fanatical towards the views of God for one another. And then you look up this extreme, it means to put on extreme value. And also, there's the verbs extremism, which means ideas or actions beyond what is deemed acceptable. That's not acceptable. For example, me teaching out the Song of Solomon, I've looked in some uh, commentaries of the Hebrew. And the, the writers of the commentaries say that the Song of Solomon should not ever be preached from the pulpit or brought forth in family devotion. But the ones who wrote this was back in the 14, 1500s. And how many of you know what we see on TV today? You have to bring this out because our kids and everybody it, it sees things without knowing what the real is. And how will you know if something is wrong or fake or false unless you see the real through the eyes of God who created it? So you have to be extreme and go beyond. Well, I don't believe you ought to do that in church. Well, God does because he put it in his word. So that's what we teach. And also there's the word extreme, extreme, extremophile. It's not a medicine. It means that which thrives but requires extreme conditions. You got to create the condition for it. And how many of you know that is worth so much? Amen. Now I got another little, just a short video clip because if you were listening to that song by uh, Steve Perry and Journey, he was talking about you can see it in her eyes. And so I want to play just another clip for you as I create the atmosphere here for where we're going to go in the Word today. So this is a story of a very rich man who had everything in the world except what satisfied him. And it's a story also about a woman who had been a prostitute, had all these issues. But when they found each other, they, they fell in love and, I, and when it gets to the words where they're speaking, put the volume up because you're going to hear Song of Solomon in action. She rescues him right back. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. This is good church. Oh, man. This is good church. But what did they say? I shared it with you in Song of Solomon last week. 
If the man will rescue his wife, she'll rescue him right back. And I was doing some more study, and I'm going to touch on some things, but it's not about who's going to give and who's going to win, who's going to get. When we study the love of Christ, it's about God's put within me to rescue you and for you to rescue me back. And that's what God wants to do. And today, if I get into some issues, I got home yesterday. Brother Shane and I went to two hospitals and a funeral. And um, when I got home, I was exhausted. So I sat down with the boys, and they were watching Tom and Jerry. And uh, we, that, that was real fun to watch. And Tom found some paint that he could get himself invisible. And so today, if I start preaching some things that are kind of makes me blush, these glasses make me invisible. And so when I put them on, you cannot, you see, you can't see me. You can hear me, but you cannot see me, and I cannot see you. So when I get embarrassed, I disappear. Can you all see me? Okay. So when I put a bunch of liars in this church. So when I... So, <laughs> but boy, y'all play along real good. I love you guys. Here, who needs a box of raisins? I mean, that is good. That is good. But listen, we want to get, <laughs> get into some things today because, listen, this is so important. Let me tell you what happened Wednesday night. Wednesday night church, after service, we were given a note that there was a couple, the, the husband was dying with cancer in the VA hospital, an old veteran from Vietnam. And they didn't speak English, him or his wife. So my wife and I, about 9, 9.15, went to the VA hospital. 9.30, we found him. We walked in there. And uh, we led. He was unconscious, but yet he could hear you. So we led the prayer of salvation. We prayed for him, prayed for his wife. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody tap me on my shoulder. And I turned around, and it was the lady who had visited here. She says, you remember me? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember you. She said... Uh, and then she started telling me the story about they came here a few months ago, probably about five months ago. Uh, it was Brother Jimmy, Brother Mike. And Brother Mike and I got to minister to this man who was in a very difficult situation in his life. And we got to pray for him and minister to him. And he went back and uh, reconciled with his wife. And uh, a few months later, he came back with her. And they came up front and they said, we want to reconcile our marriage and we want you to pray over us. So I had them hug and they repented and they hugged and they, they said some vows and I prayed over them. The next week, he died. She told me that he got up and was going hunting. And he told her where he was going hunting, which he never did. And he never came home that night. And so the brother went to look for him the next day and found him dead by natural causes on his four-wheeler. But they had got it right, not knowing what was coming. And it's something that Wednesday night, we went to meet, pray for these people. We run into this person. She tells us her story. This widow tells us her story. And I thought, this is a wake-up call that God sent us on a mission to wake somebody up by internet, by CD, maybe by here. That you don't have time to waste. You don't have time to put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of reconciliation. And you know, I, I know that last week maybe a few people got up and some visitors got up and might have left. It might have been too much. Maybe they had reasons to leave. I don't know. But I got an email from my brother Don, married 56 years, and his email encouraged me so much because he's, he's been a leader in this area for many years. And this is what he said. I just wanted to comment about your sermon on desperate households. I wish I had heard such information 57 years ago when Sandy and I were married. You spoke today 
with great insight and knowledge on building and maintaining a marriage relationship. It appeared that the congregation's response that you reached them, and they, were, they will indeed think about your sermon in their family relationships. Now, this is from an elder. And so I appreciate it because that encouraged me that it wasn't too offensive or what people might have thought out of line. But how many of you know, sometimes you got to get where we live and speak the truth. Amen? And it's about saving marriages. And sometimes you got to get to the extreme. There's a lot of people know about faith. Uh, they, talk, they call it uh, uh, fatal attraction. But how many of you know it's time for faithful attraction? And that's what we want to talk about today at some things. In Song of Solomon, I shared last time, kiss me and kiss me again. How many know it's not enough just to do it once? And today we have Brother Don and Sister Beth with us. I talked about y'all last Sunday and y'all were hunting, mooning somewhere. But would y'all stand up? Brother Don and Sister Beth, would y'all stand up? You see this young couple right here? How long y'all been married, brother? 41 years. They kiss seven times every night before they go to sleep. The number of completion and perfection. They kiss seven times before they go to sleep. Just wanted you to know, more than three times you're making out. <laughs> but isn't that a wonderful testimony? Huh? Isn't that awesome? Man, but look at that. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. I showed, told you all last week, man, that sounds like a country western song. Second verse, it's, they're already drunk on, on wine and singing and, and it's having sex. But anyway, uh, it says, kiss me and kiss me again. And I got another revelation. If you just like the King James Bible, you're missing out on some good stuff. This is the living Bible. Kiss me and kiss me again. Look at this one. Do it to me one more time. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Kiss me full on the mouth. Oh, Chihuahua. Huh? How you like that for a translation? Huh? Full on the mouth. I'm tired of your cheek. Full on the mouth. My mom used to tell my, 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 my dad, my mom used to tell my dad, Why don't you nibble on my ear anymore? He says, Wait a minute, let me get my teeth. <laughs> Kiss me full on the mouth. And then there's this other translation. It says, let him smother me. This, this is, this is, a, a, this is a, a Hebrew. This is the original Hebrew. Let him smother me with kisses. Mm. This is the contemporary English version. Kiss, kiss me tenderly, baby. Kiss me tenderly. So listen, I think you ought to know by now, the Bible's for you kissing. So why'd you stop? Amen. I mean, it's okay. You're going to see through this. It's okay and it's good to be romantic. Now I want to show you in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. How fragrant your cologne, your name. Somebody say your name. Your name is like spreading fragrance. No wonder the women love you. Now I know I shared this verse with you last week, but I got some more insight on it. Write this down. I shared with you that the name represents a character, but write this down. Singles, write this down. This is so important. I'm going to talk to singles as well as marriages today. Listen to this. The word your name is a fragrance or it's like a perfume poured out. In other words, your reputation precedes you. I spoke about character, but I want to talk to you just a moment on reputation. Because I want to share something with you ladies. And I want to share something with you men too. You treat a first date many times like a counseling session. You go out with somebody you hardly know. And you start opening your life and telling all your mistakes and your wrongs. And there are people who don't have a good reputation. That you don't truly know. Who are listening to you to find vulnerable spots to take advantage of you. 
Listen to this woman. She says, your name, there's a reputation about you. And because of your reputation, I'm going to try you to see if I can trust you. And then if I trust you, then I'm going to open my heart to you because I can trust you with my heart and I can trust you with my emotions. There are people that get on Facebook and internet and phone calls and dates and they trust a stranger with something that is so intimate, a part of their emotions in their life that they shouldn't be sharing with anybody else unless it's somebody that they can trust and somebody that will care and take care of their emotions. When we married, you married somebody to open up with that person and trust that person. So many times we open up and we share things and it's just to rip out our heart or tear us apart. And that name there speaks about a reputation. So you have to be careful about who you open up to. How many know I'm telling the truth here? Amen. And uh, you think just because he's taking you out to eat means that you can just share. Well, you know, uh, my first husband, my second husband, you know, somebody else I had, this happened, my wife. You know, no, no, no. Don't just open up to anybody. Let their reputation proceed the way. Let there be a, a sense of trust. Because she's getting ready. I'm going to show you here. She's getting ready to open up about her insecurities. Look at this woman. She says, I am dark but beautiful. O women of Jerusalem, dark as the tents of Kedar, dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't stare at me. Don't stare at me because I'm dark. Even the most beautiful woman, I have insecurities. The sun has darkened my skin. Listen now, here comes the traumas. My brothers were angry with me. They forced me to care for their vineyards. So I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. And when you find in through Solomon, the word vineyard represents her body. I couldn't care for my body because I was being taken advantage of and I was being abused. But she didn't open up until she felt his trust. And how many times, even in a marriage, it may be even 5, 10, 15 years you've been married, and time and time you try to open up and they're not interested. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to show you today. That if you don't become their shade and you don't become their fruit, they are going to find another tree. And I'm going to show you another lady who found another tree, and it wasn't the right tree. And so we've got to understand that if they finally trust us, if they finally trust you, they're ready to open up and give you a part of their heart that is sacred. It is special. And we have to be careful about how we handle it. She's about ready to open up about her emotions. And what you see right here, fear of rejection. I've been rejected by my brothers. I've been rejected by my parents. Some of you might have been rejected by other men, by other women. You might have been hurt, and so that rejection comes up, and, 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 and you're scared you're going to be rejected again, or the fear of being abandoned, or, or the fear of what happened to my mom and dad may be a part. You know, I, I have fought many, many times fear of insecurity, fear, fear of failure as a pastor, fear of failure. Even getting up and preaching like I have, this is the third week now. You know, maybe people are going to leave the church. They're going to get offended and leave the church. And I'm just going to be a failure. And we're going to end up just failing. I mean, the fear of failure many times is just attack you. And insecurities and, and, you know, rejection. People leave the church and they don't tell me why. And you call and they don't return your calls. And so I personally have gone through many of these things as a pastor. And, and, but I don't only have the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to build me up. But I have my wife to build me up. And the other day, last week before last, I got home. And uh, she met me at the door. She says, God's given me a word for you. And she gave me four chapters out of Deuteronomy. And it was right on. And the more she spoke into me, 
the higher my shoulders went. The more compassion, the more uh, security, the, 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 the more uh, I felt uh, secure in, in my call and who I am. Not only because God and, and, and my Savior Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who speaks to me and guides me, but my wife was able to speak into me because I've been able to speak into her and we've been able to speak. And as the Bible says, I'm going to give you the scripture in a minute, building each other I'm going to show you a scripture talking about team playing. Let me share something with you guys. Everybody talked about the Saints coach. They kept teasing him about having a menu. They said his football plans look like a menu. And they go, there he is with his menu again. And he's calling these plays. There he is with his menu again. But let me say something. That menu won us the championship. And because of that menu, he built a team that went all the way. It's not how little you use, it's how much you know and you use. It's about building a team that's going to make it to the championship. It's about building a marriage and building a home and an atmosphere that you're going to have all the rules, engagements. And listen to me, this is the rule book. And this rule book could teach you how to win every time and build the marriage God intended you to have. Amen. So he speaks about that godly heritage there, that godly character. How many of you know a godly character is attractive? It, because, write, write this down, a godly character will build godly trust. Do you know I can go to Jesus and he will never laugh at me and say, you failure. You're so stupid. I've been saved since 1969 and do you know Jesus has never put me down? Do you know Jesus has never said, what a loser. Jesus has never even told me to grow up. You know what Jesus has done? He has loved me and he has forgiven me. You know what Jesus has said? Do the same to your wife and the same to your husband. Open up your heart and share with them these things. Godly character builds godly trust. Godly trust is built on godly standards. And that's what builds extreme home makeovers. Amen. Now, y'all going to think I'm totally backslidden, but uh, it's just not me. It's my wife, too. She was... Uh, she was listening to uh, uh, some of, you know, we've got our romance songs. And she was listening to one of our romance songs. And she said, honey, this, this, the words were, were so like the message. And it is. Listen to this. This, this was Rod Stewart <laughs> singing, I'll stand by you. Now, just listen to the words. I know you're saying, you're supposed to be preaching the Bible. I am preaching the Bible. But I'd be using Christian's uh, material, but they don't sing like this. So, listen. Why do you look so sad? Tears are in your eyes. Come on, come to me now. Don't be ashamed to cry. Let me see you through, because I've seen the dark side too. When the night falls on you, you don't know what to do. Nothing you confess could make me love you less. I'll stand by you. Won't let anyone hurt you. I'll stand by you. Then the next chorus goes, so if you're mad, get mad. Don't hold it all inside. Come on and talk to me now. Hey, what you got to hide? I get angry too. Well, I'm a lot like you. When you're standing at the crossroads, I don't know what path to choose. Let me come along because even if you're wrong, I'll stand by you. Won't let nobody hurt you. I'll stand by you and take you in in the darkest hour. I'll never desert you. I'll stand by you. And when the night falls on you, baby, and you're feeling all alone, you won't be on your own because I'll never desert you. 
I'll never hurt you. I'll stand by you. That is good stuff. Amen. Somebody got it and made somebody who might have felt right here feel right here. Somebody got it. Insecurities. It's not just the ladies, it's the men. Insecure about maybe the, our height. Some men feel they're too short. But I tell you what, short men, some men feel that they're too tall. Both get called names. And the ones in the middle feel, I'm a nobody. But I learned something from Brother Bob Weeders at our men's meeting Friday night. He was standing around eight other men who were taller than him and lightning struck. It threw him up in the air and killed the other eight men. Killed them. And he says, this is what I learned. Always walk with men taller than yourself. <laughs> so if you didn't learn anything else today, you can learn that. God, God helped the families of those who lost those people. Brother Bob probably pushed them. But anyway, I'm thinking at you. But anyway, there's something about securing one another. Now, last week in verse 7, he talked about, you remind me, and I found some more information here, so let me give it to you. He, uh, he said, you remind me of some of the Pharaoh's horses that pulled a chariot, and I heard so many people introduce me to their mare after church. This is my mare. Well, you don't look like no stud, so I wouldn't say it like that if I was you. But anyway, I want to explain some more what it means in the Hebrew. The horses of Pharaoh represented deity or goddess-like. And when it was interpreted to the Hebrew, this is what it means. You're the purest taste of God this side of heaven. And God's greatest gift to me. Some of you women ought to be writing that down right now. There's your next Valentine card. You're the purest taste of God. And that's what Paul said marriage is. You're the purest taste of God on this side of heaven. God's greatest blessing to me. And then I want you to see something here. He kept encouraging her. She had been talking about how insecure she is. And listen, because he kept speaking to her, listen to how she responds. And now she responds, and you, my dear lover, you're so handsome. How many of you men would like your wife to encourage you like that? Baby, you're the best. You're the best on this side of heaven. And the bed, oh, she starts talking about the bed we share. is like Forrest Glen. We enjoy a canopy of cedars enclosed by cypress, fragrant and green. And when I read that, I found out something. She wasn't the Shumanite woman. She was a Cajun because she talked about cypress. I said, oh, that was our good Cajun there. She talked about cypress. I like this cypress here. But anyway, it talked about you're so handsome. She started speaking back into his life because he was speaking to hers. And then look how it got to her to such a point. Look how she started speaking about herself. How many of you know it's one thing to speak to your mate? It's another way to speak about yourself a certain way. I'm not ugly. I'm not a loser. He loves me. She loves me just like I am. They're not looking for flaws. They love me as I am. Those stretch marks, that just means you, carried my, you loved me enough to carry my child all them months and give birth to that bowling ball. That's what those stretch marks mean. Those are beauty marks. Those are love marks. You're not ugly. There's nothing ugly about you. Your hands, you've been complaining about how old they look. Those hands have held me through the hardest trials. Your eyes have encouraged me and built me up when I thought life was over. You're everything I ever wanted, everything I ever needed. 
That's what the love that God wants to build. I know this may not sound like the manliest thing, but men, you don't get new results doing things the same ways you always have. Sometimes you've got to change new results. And this man had 700 women to practice on. But only one was like God-like on this side of heaven. Amen. Extreme results. She feels, she feels special now. He loves me. He cares for me. It says, look at this now. Listen to this. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. This is her talking. I sat down in his shade, and with great delight, his fruit was sweet to my taste. I shared with you that shade means protection. Something just between Cindy and I. She tells me, when she lays right here, she says, this is my own little place in the world. It's not the Hilton Hotel. It's not some big resort in Alabama or Florida. It's not some shopping. Her special place is right here because I've become her shade. I want to show you something now. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Let me say something. If we don't cover our mates, there's going to be other trees with the fruit you're not giving to try to tempt them into falling. She said, your fruit is the sweetest to my taste, so I don't need the fruit from another tree. I don't need the fruit, the shade of another tree, because your shade protects me and your fruit provides for me. That's something we got to get in our heart because if we're dishonoring and we're not loving and we're not covering and we're not going through all of these different areas to try to cover our mates and, and we lose track and, and we forget about the importance of they're putting their trust in us and us hearing their inner needs and they're hearing our inner needs and loving us unconditionally, it'd be so easy. Eve was in all glory and Adam was not given her what she needed and she went to the fruit of Satan. And the fall came. We say many times, that could never happen to me. If we don't watch it, it can. Because the devil's always there trying to put fruit that would tempt somebody to bring them down. So we have to watch that. Amen? Now look at this. It says, charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who, woman who lives in the fear of God. Listen to what it says. Women, close your ears. Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. Now, I want to talk. This is very important here. That word festoon, I had to look it up because I said, what's a festoon? <laughs> it's the green wreath that they would put upon the head of a champion. It means to decorate. It means to charm. It means to celebrate. In other words, celebrate her with praises. Come on, men. Come on, ladies. Y'all aren't amening in here. Oh, boy, y'all ain't amening. Hope they're amening on the internet. Celebrate her with praises. Well, you know, she ain't doing nothing to make me celebrate. Well, maybe you haven't done nothing to make her feel like celebrating. I got an amen there. Thank you, sister. God and Mary bless you. Thank you for that. Thank God I got an amen. Because I'm going to put my glasses on and really want to get out of here. It says... Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. But the woman to be admired and praised. Let me tell you what this means. It means the same for the woman and the man. Get ready for this. It means 
you need to pull out their potential. Admire and praise means to pull out their potential. You know, my wife doesn't give me what she wants, then maybe you haven't pulled out that potential because the potential's there. She's got everything any other woman's got except someone to pull the potential that somebody else pulled out in the other woman. He's got all the same potentials. Any other person, any other man has the potential. But maybe he's not living up to his potential because maybe his potential has not been pulled out. Amen. Maybe us men want to be admired about the wrong things and maybe the women want to be admired about the wrong things. The Bible tells us you can have a godly character, you're going to have an extreme godly home. Amen. I mean, there's some truth what I'm saying here today. I've been playing and saying different things and, and all that, but I'm telling you, this is truth. And marriages need this. Let me show you something here. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Honor marriage. Honor, pull its potential. And guard. Somebody say guard. Honor and guard. Honor and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between a wife and a husband. God draws a firm line against casual, illicit sex. Honor the marriage and guard the sacredness. You see, the Bible talks a lot about marriage. And we spend a lot of times on different areas. And I wish that I would have pre preached more on marriage in the years past because we've lost some marriages to divorce and separation. I wonder sometimes if I didn't teach enough on it or I should have taught more like this in years past instead of just concentrating on certain other things because without this so many times we don't honor and we don't guard, we don't protect, therefore we lose. And I've known some precious Christians who have lost because they didn't guard. Look at this. Husbands, go all out. Go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Whoa. Christ's love makes the church whole. Your love makes the wife whole. As Christ loves the church. Go all out. Say that with me. Go all out. Ladies say, go all out. Husband say, I'm going all out. <laughs> Help me out here. <laughs> Go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. Wow. Do y'all men realize who we have to, whose shoes we have to fill? It's not our wives, it's not our wives' daddies, it's Jesus. Oh. I'm not supposed to feel the shoes of my wife's daddy. I'm not supposed to feel the shoes of somebody on TV. I'm supposed to feel the shoes of Jesus Christ. Who loved and gave himself unconditionally. It says there exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Well, you know what? She's been making me live on rations for so long. I feel like a sailor. And I am not going to love that woman and give her any attention until she gives in. Well, she's wrong. She's sinning for doing that. But maybe you're not doing what you need to do for her to realize that that love is a trustworthy, wholehearted love. And I'm going to show you that what happens in this love triangle of Solomon and this woman is that she ends up giving herself spirit, soul, mind, body, emotions, hurts, and pains. And she was able to trust him, and he healed her. Let me give you another scripture here. Ephesians 5, 26. To make her holy and clean. Make her. Make her. 
She's not going to go there by herself. Make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. How many know you're supposed to speak words over her? How many of you know King Solomon spoke words over that lady? How many know Abraham spoke words over Sarah? And Sarah was 90 years old, beyond life, old, unable to have a child. But Abraham started calling her the mother of many nations every time he called her name. And do you know that that lady, 90 years old, got so pretty, the king wanted her as his wife. His words was the fountain of youth to her life. Your words are the fountain from God's throne into her life. God wants to speak to her through you, man. You are the priest of the home. And God wants to speak to the wife, through the wife, to the husband. Let me share something with you. Man, let me tell you something. I'm the pastor of this body, but you're the pastor of your home. It's not my job to give wives counsel. It's not my job to tell wives what to do. I'm not their spiritual covering. As a father in the Lord, yes, but as far as a husband, your husband is your spiritual covering. And if he's not giving you the covering you want, you just keep praying for him. And I'm praying with you that your husband will be able to hear from God and lead you and be the spiritual leader you need to be because God gave you the man to be the spiritual leader and the man who could hear from God to be able to minister to you and build you up and bless you. Amen? Ephesians 5.26, to make clean and holy. Man, I want you to look at your wives and just say this with me. Say this after me. Say, I am prepared to give to you my love, spiritual leadership, godly responsiveness, emotional security, and my ultimate commitment. Till death do us part. Or you kill me. Look at this. The husband provides leadership, leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. Amen. But it says the first part that wives understand and support their husbands in ways and show your support for Christ. You're supposed to show your support and understanding for husbands. 1 Corinthians 13, we won't go through there all, all, all the way. We don't have time. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. You want to write this down. So encourage each other up and build each other up just as you're already doing. How many are already encouraging your mates? can raise your hand right now. Let me see right quick. You're encouraging mates. I'm proud of you. Glory to God. Encourage and build each other up. You know who's going to, you know who's the biggest testimony for my ministry? My wife. Not the guy who got out of the drugs. Not the guy who got out of this. Not the girl who got out of this. That's the one. My aim of the perfect testimony that I've done my job. And I'm her perfect testimony that she's done her job. Spiritual leadership, encourage, build up each other. And then uh, we won't spend time here, but 1 Corinthians, uh, you, you probably can't read that like I can either, but 1 Corinthians 13, this is what it's saying more or less. It's saying love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, and love always wins. Isn't that good? Someone wrote this. Love doesn't have a happy, happy ending. True love doesn't have an ending. Isn't that good? True love doesn't have an ending. Amen. To love each other. Now, if y'all excuse me, I'll go back into the world one, one more time. And there's this song. I played it for, uh, I think, last Valentine's Day. Uh, I heard somebody else likes Trace Atkins. I don't like many of his songs, but Tra- that, that was you. Trace Atkins, listen to, this, listen to this song he sings. 
There's no guarantee that we'll see tomorrow. Heaven only knows how long we have. So there's no way I'll ever for one second let you wonder. I'll never in no way for one second let you wonder just how long my love will last. Till my last breath. Till I'm called on high. Till the angels come and I see the light. Till the very end, till I give in. To the last beat of my heart. No, I can't swear that I'll be here for the rest of your life. But I swear that I'll love you for the rest of mine. Now that's good preaching. I'll love you to the rest of mine. I don't want you to have a doubt of one second. That is deep, church. Not one second doubt that I ever regret or thought I made a mistake in marrying you. God gave you to me as a gift. That is strong. Hosea 10, 12 through 13 says, Sow for yourselves. I love that. Sow for yourselves. You know what my husband's not doing? Sow for yourselves in righteousness and reap the fruit of unfailing love. Let me give you these studies right quick. 33% of Christians live together. 51% non-Christians live together. 80% of Christians who live together will break up. Six People who live together are 62 more times likely to have a physical abuse. And people who live together are twice as likely as to divorce as those who do it right. How many of you know God's way is the only way? Amen. Now look at this. Let me hurry and get through this right quick. I've been going long on Sundays and I'm sorry. Let me get to this next verse. Look at this. Song of Solomon 2.4. So he escorts me to Taco Bell. Because he's cheap. Uh Uh-uh. You're my princess. And Taco Bell's good sometime. But he escorts me to Outback. And Texas Roadhouse. Because he's proud of me. Come on. He takes me for sushi. Because I'm his little geisha girl. He escorts me to the banquet hall. Look what she says here. It's obvious how much he loves me. Now, I'm going to get into some parts here. Uh, Just a few more minutes. It's obvious he loves me. And I know you're thinking, I can't afford that. Listen, it's cheaper to take her to Outback than it is to divorce her. (laughs) We can't afford dates. I mean, after child care and, and after taking her out to eat and going to see some chick flick, I ain't got money for that. Hey, you know how much a lawyer is? It's cheaper to date her than it is to divorce her. How many can say, amen, no, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. But I'm telling you from people I have to talk to, it's cheaper to date her than divorce her. But look at this. This is the real thing. This is the message translation. He took me home with him for a festive meal, but his eyes feasted on me. Oh, oh, oh this guy's got it, guys. Oh, his eyes. Look what she's saying. His eyes feasted on me. Aren't you going to eat your food? Oh, baby. You're all of that and a bag of chips, too. You got some shake with them fries? His eyes feasted on him. Now, uh, uh, let's go on. Now, look at this. 
Now here we go with the raisins. Sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I'm lovesick. Now I'm coming to the end, so, so you know, just, just hold, hold them with me, because I'm going to give you some meat here to take home with you. Raisins was considered what Viagra is today. It's a mood enhancer. I got more raisins right here. Just raise your hand. But in that day, in that day, raisins and apples were mood setters. Okay? And this is what mood setters mean. And, 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 <laughs> this is what mood setters mean. <laughs> but this is important. Look, this is important. This is not just the way you're thinking. So y'all, y'all behave yourself. It means I want more. I want more. I'm lovesick. I can't get enough of our communication. I can't get enough of our love. I cannot get enough of the kisses. I cannot get enough of you telling me how pretty I am. I cannot get enough of you telling me how handsome I am. I cannot get enough of telling you telling me how good I am around the house. I am so lovesick. And listen, you want to know some mood setters? It's really not. I don't think it's raisins. I eat them all the time. I don't think it's raisins. You know what mood setters are? Unloading the dishwasher. Coming to church with your husband or your wife. Baby, could you come to church with us? It, we, we could be a family. I don't feel like it today. Well, you know what? You little sourpuss. You're ruining the mood. Because she wants you by her side. Mood setting. I had someone tell me one of the greatest things they did for their marriage. She was a teacher. Now, I'm not talking about teachers here. This was somebody outside the church who testified this to me. She was a teacher. She said one of the greatest things for her marriage is that when she got home, she quit dressing like a teacher. She took the apples off. <laughs> I'm trying to behave. She took the teacher clothes off, and she put something on, jeans with hose or something like that, that he liked to see. She took the teacher uniform off, and she put the wife uniform on. The lover wife. How many of you teacher men, husbands can say amen? Now, how about when she's asked you, how many times are you going to wear that shirt this week? <laughs> well, it don't stink yet. I'm tired of seeing you in them overalls. But they're comfortable. Yeah, but they do nothing for me. That's raisin cakes. Okay? Some of y'all know I'm telling the truth. Been wearing that same old wife beater's t-shirt for so long. That word, Kate, love, love sick, it means I want more. And so let me go back to another old song. I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I love you to love me. And I'm begging you to beg me. <laughs> I'll shut you. I'll sh Listen to what he says. I'll shine up my old brown shoes and put on a brand new shirt, and I'll get home early from work if you say that you love me. Now, that's got some truth to it. I want you to love me. I want you to need me. I want you to want me. So this is what this means. Men, ladies, make your mate want you. 
I taught a message a few months ago about pursuit, pursuing her. She ain't going to want you to pursue her if you don't make her want you. And ladies, you got to make your man want you. I hear ladies come up and they go, you know, my husband rather play with PlayStation than me. Well, they go to my wife and tell her that and then she tells me. But anyway, no, but they, they, they wonder, why don't my wife, why don't my husband want me? Well, do you make him want you? Do you still flirt? Do you still do little things? Do you wear things he knows you, you know he wants you to wear? And do you wear things you know he wants to wear? This is, this, listen, if we're not going to lose somebody to another shade tree and another fruit, I want to make you want me. And you never want to leave me. Amen. This is what Solomon's saying here. This is so important to churches. And then let me end with this. This is my last scripture and then we'll get out of here. Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 6. Look at this. His left arm is where? Under her head. And his right arm is where? Where's his right arm? Now he's making his move because if you listen to everything all together, she has given herself to him emotionally, soulishly, and now they're ready to become one physically and spiritually. And guess what? God gets the glory. What God puts together, let nothing or no man put asunder. This is good preaching, church. This is good preaching. He's making his move. He's healing the relationship. His right hand is under my head and his hand embraces me. It's my whole heart, my mind, my body is now God's gift to him. And he glorifies God for his gift. Lord, bless this food that I'm about to eat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for my gift. Thank God for my gift. Amen. He's given you that to enjoy. And I know a lot of people say, you know, you know they don't preach this way, but listen, this is in the Word. It is to save and make, make you happy and make your marriage happy and make it exciting and make you want to go home. Make you want to be with your mate instead of your friends. And protect what God's given you. Amen. So I want you to just bow your heads and pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, lead me to a different place, a perfect place in my marriage. We commit our relationship to follow your standards and for you to heal our relationship. Help me, Lord, to be a godly man and to lead my wife. And help me, Lord, to be a godly wife and respect and honor my husband. I want to invest in my relationship to honor you. We want to grow. We want what God wants for us. Father, impart your right truth into our hearts. Bring healing hope, restoration into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, Father, I pray now for the young people, our children, and the singles here. And I pray for supernatural connections for our singles and our children. Lord, we pray by faith that you will unite them and bring them into contact with the right man and the right godly woman and godly man that will bring richness and enhance their lives together. Father, I pray that you give them hope and encouragement as they're waiting for the right one. Come against discouragement and despair in so many lives as they go home alone today. Our hearts go out to them. And Lord, we pray encouragement for them. And Lord, we pray that this message is becoming the key to their new life, to their mate, to their marriage. We pray that there is something in these messages they're getting a hold of. Is what the last key they needed for you to unlock the heaven and give them the right person that you know they need. Lord, handpick the man and the woman for each one here and help us protect what you give us as our very own gift. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What's so important is to understand that the relationship between a husband and his wife is as the relationship between Christ and his body. You must belong to him. He didn't create you because he needed another creation. He created you because he needed to give his love and affection to you. You are here for God's love. That's why he sent his best to rescue you. If you're here today and you know your life is not right with Jesus, you know your life is wrong, it's full of errors and sin, if you die right now, you don't know whether you would go to heaven or hell. You can get your life right with him by just raising your hand saying, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's anybody here, just raise your hand right there where you are. I need to get my life right with Christ. I need forgiveness of my sins. I've, I've made some mistakes and I've messed up my life and I need a new life. Anyone at all today, I need to surrender my life to Christ and let him take over and make something real out of it. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? Eyes are still bowed. I see that hand back there. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you, sir. I see that hand right there. I see that hand. God bless you too, man. Anyone else today? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need help. I need a hope. I need the cleansing power that comes from God because he loves me. Anyone else, would you please raise your hand? God bless you, sis. I see that hand. God bless you, sweetheart. Anyone else today? There's the third hand. Anyone else today? I need to give my life over to Christ. Anyone else at all? Would you raise your hand? Would those three who raised their hand, two men in the back and this young lady, would you come forward and let us pray the prayer of salvation with you? Let us lead you to Christ. Would you come and let us lead you to Christ? Saints, you be praying. Church, it's an important time to be praying. These lives are as important as any life on earth right now. God bless you, young men. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Would you just come and face Brother Benny right here? Would you just come? God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. There was a young lady who raised her hand. Would you come? Would you come? Come and accept him. Accept him as Lord and Savior. Would you come and let us pray with you? Church, pray, pray, pray that lives will be right today. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you, young man. New beginning. A new life. You're ready, aren't you? God bless you. Is there anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? 
Would you put your hands upon your heart? The Bible says that if we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. So would you repeat this prayer, please, from your heart? And just know that God hears you right now. Say this with me. Dear God, I am sorry. And I repent of all my sins. I ask you to forgive me and wash me in your precious blood. Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose for me. And I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I decree before heaven, before these witnesses, and before hell, I am born again. I am a child of God. I am forgiven and I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Brand new beginning. Spirit of God, be rest upon you. Brand new beginning. We're so glad to have you. These men will take your names. We want to stay in touch with you. But we'd love to have you as part of this church. We welcome you. And God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord another hand. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, listen. Brother Jake's about to dismiss. Thank you for your patience. We love you. We're going to be here tonight, 6 o'clock. We're here less than an hour. Worship the Word. But we're going to study on redemption. The redeemed of the Lord. And I tell you, it'll just build your faith up and believe for signs and wonders. We love you. God bless you. God bless every marriage, every home. Extreme home makeover through the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you and we love you. Would you dismiss us, please? Yes, God. We just, Father, we just reaffirm, God, this word that was spoken today over our lives, Lord. And I pray, God, that it just soaks into our being, Lord, that we would just be able to grasp everything that it has, Lord. Father, we thank you for the richness of your word. We thank you, God, for the creativity of your word, Father. And we thank you, God, that every man, woman, young man, young woman, child, Lord, in this place today, God, will be totally changed and renewed. And Lord, I thank you for restoring homes and rebuilding lives. And we praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.